himself. But last week we talked about only a question that Jesus asked him. What should I do for you? All of a sudden you have a blind man that's blind. It's very evident. And now Jesus is asking somewhat of a, what I think is kind of a, a foregone conclusion. What do you need? Because the response was very important. And we're going to learn about that today. Because if you have your Bibles, let's turn to book, the book of Mark, chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. And I'm going to put on my jacket because I'm going to need it for an illustration in the sermon today. Put it right over this Zach Thomas jersey. <laughs> and let's read together the scripture. And it says, And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called to the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And he immediately recovered his sight and followed him on the way. I want you to touch your neighbor on both sides and tell him this, faith can unlock your vision. See, the setting was... Jesus is walking out of Jericho on his way to Jerusalem to die on a cross. This is one week left in Jesus' life. And he's going to be introduced to a man that is going to be forever changed and associated with blind people forever. His name is Bartimaeus. This blind beggar has sat in a position probably for the majority of his life. Some theologians believe because the scripture starts out kind of funny. And I want to stop here for a moment and give you a history lesson about the Bible. Sometimes you think you know things that you really don't necessarily know. Because we read the book of Mark like Mark was there. He was not. Oh, now I got everybody's attention. Mark never met Jesus. Mark was a disciple of Peter. And Peter was there. And Peter was telling him a, sermon, a, a story. And the reason he was telling him a story is because the same story is found in the book of uh, Matthew and the book of Luke. And in both cases, it has two blind men, not one. So now why is this so important? To just have, did there, Was there two or was there one? There was probably two. But Peter was telling uh, Mark, his disciple, he was telling him the story from his perspective of experience. And Peter was one of the oldest of the disciples. And he was literally saying, every single time my entire life that I walked out of Jericho, there was one guy that was always there begging. And his name was Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. And he was like a fixture, always there. Same corner, same street light, same sign, always saying, I am blind, please help. That's just the modern version. And he's saying to them, and, and it starts out kind of strange because do you know that Bartimaeus simply means the son of Timaeus? So why would Scripture start saying it twice? He is Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. Well, you just said he's the son of Timaeus by saying his name. That's why in another passage of the New Testament it says Simon Bar-Jonah, it means Simon, the son of John. 
So why would, it tell, why would the theologians, why would the Holy Spirit move upon the writer Mark to say, his name is Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, and I can preach it both ways and probably will preach it a little bit because most theologians believe that either Bartimaeus' father, Timaeus, was either a man of influence, power, or authority, or he was another blind man. And it preaches the same either way. Because the son of Timaeus, a man blind, born of a man blind, is fixing to get his sight. Or a man that once was in a family, that once had position and authority, could fall so far. And the man that had so much potential and probably was born into a family that had some authority to give him a leg up, all of a sudden finds himself identified as being a beggar on the roadside, screaming out for food and money. All of a sudden, you realize how life can change? And most of the time, we try to invest in things that are temporary. I'm not telling you not to invest and to be wise about your financial resources. All of you need to be planning and preparing for retirement. But do you realize some of you aren't going to make it to retirement? None of us are promised tomorrow. And even if you make it to retirement... It doesn't matter how much your nest egg is, you can't take it with you when you end retirement. And so it isn't that we shouldn't plan for things like that, but sometimes it is greater for us to view our spiritual vision, not in the temporary of making it through today, tomorrow, next week, but view our spiritual vision as what does God, what is God going to be doing in our tomorrows? And all of a sudden, he's blind, he's on this road. And by the way, in this position of this place in Jericho is normally hundreds of beggars, not just one or two. It's the place where all beggars, that's where people coming and going. This man with a now blind, keen sense of hearing, now hears commotion. And in the commotion, he finds somebody close enough to him in proximity to say, what's going on? Who's leaving the city? And they tell him, Jesus of Nazareth. The problem is, is he never calls him that name. Did you notice that? He never says, Jesus of Nazareth, have mercy on me. He hears it's Jesus of Nazareth and Jesus of Nazareth is associated with a man that is probably in in the Jewish culture is associated with the rabbis. He's a great teacher and one of his claim to fame is there's miracles around this guy. He can heal the blind, he can heal the lame and he can even raise the dead and there's miracles. He's probably heard the murmurs about Lazarus being raised from the dead and all of a sudden this man stops looking through the eyes of his flesh and starts to speak words of faith. And he doesn't call him Jesus of Nazareth. He's the only one in the whole story that starts crying out, Jesus, thou son of David. See, the title son of David is associated with the Messiah. And he is saying by faith, I can't see. Sometimes people that can't see naturally have more faith to see spiritually. Can somebody say amen? Because the book of Hebrews said... Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. They're used to not being able to see it before they believe it. And all of a sudden, he hears the stories and associating and, and runs the risk of this man being the Messiah. And he starts decrying or crying out for him uh, through the messianic hope of who Jesus is. And all of a sudden, he's literally saying, Jesus, the Messiah, have mercy on me. 
I believe that we don't no longer have to wait for the Messiah to come. I believe He's walking by me right now. And I'm going to have a hope to believe that He is who He says He is. And I'm going to declare, Jesus the Messiah, have mercy on me. And at that moment, <laughs> He is saying, I believe you're the Messiah and through his uh, Jewish training, he is invoking Psalms 34 because the Messiah was to hear the cry of the poor and brokenhearted. And now I am in a position of being poor. I'm a beggar. And if he is who I think he is by faith, he will hear me when I call. And according to Malachi in my training, the Messiah not only would hear the cry of the poor, but Malachi declares he has healing. And the only hope I got is to have faith in who he, I think he is. And he starts to cry out, Jesus, thou son of David, Jesus, the Messiah, have mercy on me. And you know what happens when we start to get a little glimpse of spiritual vision of our tomorrows? It is almost every single time met instantly with opposition. How many dreams have been crushed or set aside because somebody said, you can't do that. I told first service today, a lot of those are the, the residue of what it was, Fort, Fort Myers First Baptist. Do you realize that one of my pastors, my, one of my pastors is called, his name is Lonnie Johns. He pastors Christ Central Lake City. And he's one of our overseers when we were at Elevation. And I called Lonnie and said, I'm about to merge with First Baptist Church of Fort Myers, a 125-year-old liturgical, traditional church. And we are charismatic, contemporary, and casual. And he said, don't tell nobody, it won't last long. <laughs> and what he was telling me is, man, that is incredible, but I don't think it's going to work. And we did it anyway. With, you know, he, he said, now, David, I want it to work. I'm not saying I'm not being a naysayer, but I've never heard of it working anywhere else before. So be careful, because I, I called him in the conversation and said, we're going to put this in the paper. He said, don't put it in the paper. Don't put that in the paper. I used good wisdom and I obeyed my pastor and I didn't put it in the paper. But eight and a half years later, we're still here. They said it wouldn't work. You know how many entrepreneurs have to go through? That won't work. That's a crazy idea. You can't do that. Don't quit your job. Don't. And I'm not telling anybody to quit their job. I'm just saying that sometimes you've got to have a calculated risk and you've got to have a faith to believe that there's something waiting on the other side if God is opening the door. Say amen. And they come to this dude. That's what troubles me in this whole story. They come to him and say, hey, quit. You're making too much noise here. Hush. Because they thought he wanted money. They didn't hear the voice of faith. They heard the cry of a man that was there yesterday crying out for the, for the, for the person walking out the gate. They didn't know he had had a change of heart. And faith had now represented it, that had replaced what his temporary need was for the day. And they're telling him, be quiet. And the Bible says this. I love people in the Bible when the Bible gives you a little details about things that you can associate with. I like, don't you, I, I know it's prideful and I've had to struggle with pride most of my life. And God is a very strong and painful teacher when you don't listen and you're prideful. And I've had to walk through that. But don't you like it when somebody, when scripture says this, they told him to shut up, but he cried out all the more. I like his, I like his attitude. 
Because his attitude was, if I listen to you, I'm going to stay blind. But if he is who I think he is and I get his attention, I may be able to see. And so I don't have anything to lose. What you going to do? Put me in jail? I get three meals. I don't I, put me in jail, brother. I need I need some help. But if he is who I'm not going to quit crying out, Jesus, the Messiah, if you can hear the cry of the poor, I qualify. If you hear the cry of the brokenhearted, I am one of those. I used to be somebody and I was robbed of my sight at an early age, maybe. And now I'm here in pitch black darkness. And the only hope I got is to lift up my voice and say, Jesus, the Messiah, you are here. I am here. I need your attention. And out of all the cries of the other beggars and all the cries of the crowd that Jesus is walking with, Jesus stops and says, I hear something unfamiliar with one voice. It's the voice of faith saying, Jesus, the Messiah, have mercy on me. And the moment he stops, Bartimaeus' hope springs forth. He said, he is the one. The psalm told me he would hear me, and I cried out, and he heard me. Psalm 34 is one of my favorite psalms. And he heard me, and he stopped, and now they're telling him he's calling for me. Here's where the story gets a little better. He, the Bible says he springs up. See, I, I, we've become so casual with God, like he's Am, Amazon. You can tell now that I'm getting modernized because I used to say he's like Walmart in the sky, but now Walmart in the sky is Amazon. <laughs> like we just come to him when we need something and we're ordering. We're putting in our order. God, I need this, this, and this. And if you could do it by next week, it really would be appreciated. And I really don't want to go through any process. And if you can eliminate all the pain that's going to teach me the lesson really well, I'd like to go through the easy way and you just tell me what I need to do. But what if you really believed he was here? Amy, get ready to play me something. Pace yourself, I got one more point. What if you really believed we were, he was here? What if you really believed that the God that was bound by Psalms 34 and his messianic call was the same God that was bound by his scripture that said, where two or three gather in my name by faith, there I am. See, then I would never on a Sunday have to almost try to convince people to come to the front. They would run to the front. If they really thought he was here, they wouldn't care who else was thinking about what, why they were running to the front. They would just be going, I don't you. if I listen to what you think or what you say, I'm going to stay in my present condition. But if he is here and he is who he says he is, I got to get to him. And the Bible says, he, the master is calling for you. And the Bible says he sprang up. And this is the cool part. It says he took off his coat. See, this coat identified Bartimaeus to have a right because it identified him as being blind and it gave him the right to beg. By Jewish law, he was allowed to beg if he had on this coat. And the coat was his shelter. It was the thing that he put over him when it rained. Sometimes beggars, that's all they had was their coat. 
he would take that coat off at times and he would put it out in front of him to where you could throw money or bread on it. And he would hear it hit his coat and he would be able to, to not search for it if you didn't put it in his hand. He would just know the search there in the proximity of his coat because he could hear it hit his fabric. And the Bible says he sprang up. Still blind. He can't see a thing yet. And he takes his coat off and he leaves it there. And he says, I'm headed to the one that's about to change everything. He's not only going to change my, my visual condition, he's about to change my identity. I'm no longer going to be the son of a blind man or the son of an influential man that ended up being a beggar, but I'm going to be a man that now can see. And I'm about to get back into life and I'm leaving yesterday behind. I'm going to have the courage to leave yesterday and my experiences of my past identity behind and I'm about to move towards the one that is about to give me everything that I've ever dreamed about in a condition of being transformed by my identity. You are, if you in this building think that you have too much sin or you have done too many things or you've done it with too many people, let me be the one to tell you. I have been where you are and he made a preacher out of me. And you are sitting beside people that have greater testimonies than I have. If you want to really get down to it, I actually got to meet somebody this week that has a lot going on in their life. And they asked me, they said, hey, they were having some marital issues. And they said this, they said, do you think that God can help me in my marriage? I said, God, my God got my mom up out of a wheelchair. And if he can do that, I think he can do this. See, I have a faith to believe if we can get into his presence, he can do anything. And so sometimes we, the enemy tries to attach us to a coat of yesterday and remind us who we used to be. And what you need to have confidence in is not who you used to be, but what happened to you when you met Jesus and he transformed you into somebody else. I used to be blind, but now I see. I used to be a beggar, but now I have a job. I used to be on the roadside of life. Now I'm in life. I used to be on drugs, but now I'm not. I used to have to find fulfillment in different girlfriends from point to point to point. But now I've been married longer than I care to mention. And tomorrow is, is uh, my anniversary and my wife still loves me and I love her more than we've loved each other from the very first day. And you want to know how that is possible? Because a broken young man got filled with the power of the Holy Spirit at the moment of my conversion and he allowed me to become a man of character. I don't have to put on that coat anymore. <laughs> and he finally gets to Jesus and Jesus sits down. And Nikki, I used Casey earlier in the service, so I'm not going to use her again. I'm going to use you. But she can be the other blind man. You're Bartimaeus. And can you imagine Jesus, the Messiah now? You're thinking now he's Messiah. You're, you've pretty much done that with your words and action. And now he's going to ask you what seems to be a crazy question. Hey, nailed down right in front of you. You can't see him, but you can hear the rustle. And he says, hey, what do you need? What do you want me to do? Because he was looking for an answer. It was evident that the man needed sight. But he said, do you want to ask for bread or money so I can meet your temporary needs? Or do you want to do something that's more eternal? And so he says, 
I wish that you might recover my sight. I used to have it, but now I don't. And he said, he never touches him. He doesn't spit on the ground, doesn't spit in his eye, never touches him. He says, your faith have made you whole. Go your way. City Gate, this is the last thing I have to preach for the next two minutes. See, sometimes we choose the temporary versus the eternal. Because the temporary is associated with what He can do for you. See, we chase Him because of what He could do. Well, He can get me out of hell. That's a good thing, right? He can heal me if I get sick. He can protect me if I get assaulted. All of those things are things that God can do. And we run around chasing who, what He can do. But did you realize that this beggar was not obedient? Did you notice that? That little last sentence? Jesus said, your faith has made you well. Go your way. He said, not on your life. See, a minute ago I couldn't see. And when I was blind, I was accepting you by faith of who you really were. And I wasn't concerned as much about what you could do for me as much about who you really are. So I'm no way in the world going to leave you in the condition of just being what you can do for me. And the Bible says he got his sight and followed him on the way. I'm following wherever you're going, I'm going, man, because I, I didn't want you just to make me see so I could get out of the darkness. But you were the one that got me out of the darkness and I'm not leaving your presence until I have to. I don't want a city gate church to just be... A mindful of our faith about what God can do. I want to know who He is and I want to say, hey, it is important for me to show me where I'm going in my tomorrows. But if you're already there, I'll tell you what. I will just go where you are and I'll start participating in what you're doing. And by the time I get there and you get there together, we can be on the front row of miracles together. Amen? See, a lot of times we pray for the temporary things. God, let my son get saved. Man, that's a powerful prayer request. God, just move upon him and let him get saved. The eternal thing is God, let him see Jesus in me. And while he's seeing Jesus in me, let me be the one to hear him call out upon your name. Let him come to me and say, hey, can you show me the Jesus that you have in your life? Can you imagine not just your son getting saved, but you leading your son to Jesus? Bow your head and close your eyes and ask yourself today, do I have the courage to take the code of my yesterday off? And if he asked me what I, would do, what I would want, would I want him to do something for me or would I want him to do something with me? Let's sing.